Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Good morning and welcome to the Vessel. Thank you all for being here. That's how you know you're doing it right when it's got that abrupt end, man. Can we, thank, uh, can we thank Hope and Jeff and Jessica for serving our social media team? Yeah, they do an awesome job. And I know that that doesn't feel like the most like churchy thing in the world, but man, it, like as the landscape of our culture and things around us change, like how to interact with people, how to engage people, it's been a huge blessing. So thank y'all for doing that. And man, I was just, even as we were coming in this morning and our tech team of like setting this up and making church happen in a gymnasium is not easy. And guess what? I don't want to, don't tell Jessica and our tech team, it's never going to be easy, right? It's you keep stuff in the back of a hot truck every week or a trailer. And so thank y'all so much for serving so faithfully. And I'm so grateful for just the hands and feet that it takes to make church happen. So if I don't know you, my name is Jake and I get to serve as the lead pastor here at the vessel. And I have the most fun job and I don't have to handle all the stress of making sure it all works, but they do a wonderful job. And yes, I'm in a Hawaiian shirt this morning. Every single person I've talked to has mentioned my shirt. Last year, like a year ago, we went and saw my brother and sister-in-law in Hawaii, and I got this shirt. And I think people have been really kind this morning. No one's actually complimented my shirt. It's been more an acknowledgement, like, boy, that is bright. Or, hey, flamingos, cool. You know, so I hear you. Thank you, Jeff Schmalbach. That's what I needed to hear. So... Uh, this morning, we've been in the series called The Gospel, and it's trying to really simply look at the gospel, what it is, and what it means for our lives. And not just, we, we said this every week, and the gospel is not just a story to tell, but a life to be lived. And what it means to live the gospel every day as a Christ follower. If you don't know Jesus or you're exploring faith, what does that mean for you? And, and just to see how the story of Scripture and God's Word and Jesus, and it, it, it's all the gospel. It's all a God that loved us so much that gave his life so we could have relationship and abundant life uh, through his blood and through his sacrifice. And so it's been really cool to see kind of how the Lord's unfolded this for us. We've talked about communion. We've talked about baptism. We've talked, TJ talked last week about what does it look like to, to live a life of the gospel and interact with people around you and engage people. And so uh, I wanna give a quick outline. We're gonna jump in this morning because there's, I think there's a lot to, that we're gonna talk about. And then I wanna have a time at the end where we're gonna just spend some time in prayer and considering what the Lord says to us this morning. So I'm gonna pray first and then I'll give us a, an outline and we'll jump right in. And so if you would pray with me, Lord, we love you and we're so thankful for um, things like social media and things like people potentially running across our website to be encouraged to consider you or to engage with your people. And thank you for how you're shaping us to do that here in our community. God, our heart is to humbly and authentically follow you as best we can as a body. And so God, even this morning, as we talk about something that's way bigger than us, God, would you give us just eyes to see and ears to hear uh, your voice speak to our hearts? Would you soften our hearts and the soil of our hearts to receive and accept? And God, will we walk out this morning, not just with 
more information, but, but changed, more compassion, uh, more on fire for you to, to see people come to know how much you love them and what you do on the cross. So God, would you speak loudly to us this morning about the nations and what that looks like? And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So I, I'll tell you where we're going to be. We're, we're going to be talking about the nations this morning. And so I know like if you're in any sort of Christianese world, that that is a term that maybe is thrown out there or that you've heard about that, but that you might not be able to articulate or look. And so biblically, we're going to look, and we're going to be in three places. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at the call of Abraham to uh, birth this nation. We're going to be looking at uh, the great commission of Christ followers in, in Matthew 28 and how we're called to the nations. And then Revelation chapter seven, which is this image, this beautiful image of what it looks like in the kingdom uh, and in God's heart for the nation. So it's going to be a little bit kind of a leapfrog through, but the hardest is see what does that mean and what is the call for the nations. And so if you're unfamiliar with that idea, that term is that throughout scripture, God's heart is for what, what God calls the nations. And I know for us in the context of the culture and the life that we live, that that means you know, political boundaries or, or groups of uh, you know, people economically, and, and, but God's heart is much more and beyond that. And so that's the heart today as we're going to get into that. So we're really just going to jump through these three scriptures and hopefully get a sense of really what the gospel means for the nations. And when the, when scripture says that and the call of our lives to, to give ourselves for the gospel for the nations, and what does that mean? So um, we're, we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Uh, so I, I want to, and, and like I said, we've got a lot to talk, so I'm going to try to get through as quickly as possible. So the first thing I want you to understand when we consider the gospel and the nations is the gospel is for the nations. And so in, in, in Genesis ch chapter 12, right at the beginning of scripture, we see God call Abraham. And, and God puts a call in his life, and he, this is a very famous picture of the, the call for Abraham to be faithful, to birth this nation in Scripture. And, and out of this, God makes a covenant with Abraham, and covenants are really important. And all the covenant is, it's, it's a promise. It's not a contract. This is a unilateral covenant, meaning that this is that God makes a covenant with Abraham, says, here's what I'm going to do through you and in your life. And for the sake of the people around the world to know God. And so he makes this covenant with Abraham and he makes this promise. And I know that maybe we don't think so, uh, you know, we don't think about covenants in our faith probably day in, day out, but they're really important in scripture and, and they, they're, they're significant and they're covenants that we even live under today. And so he says this when he calls Abraham in chapter 12, uh, in Genesis chapter 12, he says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. And so God has this, this call on Abraham's life. This is the um, he makes this covenant with him and says, I'm gonna birth this nation out of you. And this is significant just in a couple ways right off the bat. One is that this is not just foundational for us as Christians and as Christ followers, is that, that we are not the only religion that claims this covenant of God making with people. In fact, that, that for Christians, this is foundational for us, but if, if someone is, a, is, is Jewish or someone who's Muslim, all point to this moment 
of God making this promise with Abraham for his people. So Islam, Judaism, Christianity all point to this covenant and recognize this promise that God made through Abraham, which is really significant for us when we think about the world we live in and the country we live in. And, and the, 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 obviously we're a Christian country, but Christianity, Judaism, and then Islam are the, the most common and popular and well-known religions in the country we live in and the time we live in. And so even Muslims, they claim uh, that Muhammad comes from the line of Abraham through Hagar and Ishmael. And so we look back at this point and that's important for us to know when we consider what it means to be the nations and to, to love and for the gospel being for the nations and to broaden our view um, of, of how significant this moment is in our lives and the lives of people around us. And the second thing we see in this is we see God's heart and intentions for the, na- for the nations and people group. We see a God that has a heart for people and nations all over the world. And we tend, like I said before, we tend to think really geographically minded when we think about the nations. We think about where boundary lines, political lines are drawn. We can see what's happening in Ukraine and, and with Russia invading Ukraine. And we can see the conflict and the problem over that and why these nations matter. And I think, so I'm a geography major. I went to University of Texas and I graduated as a geography major back in 2006. Um, gosh, shouldn't have said that. And so people ask me all the time, like, oh, you're a geography major in college. You must really know the capitals like, that's it. Because I spent four years, five years of my life coloring maps and labeling the capitals. And that's what a geography major is. Thank you. It's like basically what you did in seventh grade, I did for four years, right? And so geography is much more than that, right? When you think about geography on a, <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth. When you think about geography on a, on a larger scale, you begin to think about that it's more about than just places, and yeah, political lines and being able to label a map and understand, but it's about people groups and how people interact with the environment and the world around them, both physically and socially. You look at the ethnic groups and, and how they move and what happens through history and time and how they're shaped and how they're formed. And so when we think about the nations and we think about this call of Abraham, it's more than just these boundary lines. Right? It's about people and groups of people and not just now and today about people groups for the history of time, people that came long before us and nations and people group and ethnic, ethnic enclaves that will come long after us. And we see how this is happening all the time in the world. And we think about Ukraine and Russia and there are people that are now refugees that are fleeing their country and finding a home somewhere that's not their home. They don't have infrastructure. They don't have people. They don't have places. And how that's going to shape a generation. We can think about like COVID and our kids. I have a sixth grader, a third grader, and a first grader. And think about like how school and and COVID and and wearing a mask and losing loved ones, how that's going to shape them and how they see the world. So when, when God's heart for the nations and the gospel, it goes much beyond just some sort of political boundary that's been drawn. So, so when we think nations, we gotta think uh, people groups and culture over political boundaries. It's not just about these boundaries, but it's about the culture that surrounds them and how culture has changed and shaped. And this is encouraging for us. This is encouraging us to know the gospel of Jesus Christ transcends all those things. 
that we can't become woke enough, we can't change enough to where it changes the gospel, that the love of Christ and what he did on the cross is bigger and beyond all of that. And it transcends all of those things. And I think even us and, and the vessel and like where the God's called us here in our community has been so sweet and so kind to help shape and give us a picture of what that looks right here. I mean, I think, you know, on a, on a really local and selfish scale, like I love Jessica as our worship leader and, and she and I, man, we have such an amazing opportunity to work together. And we're not just like coworkers, like Jessica's job for worship isn't just to come up with four songs and, you know, transitions and a band and put together the music. And when she and I meet and work together and we're praying for a same heart to help lead us in upward ministry to how we interact with the Lord, with what we're teaching, how we're worshiping God and what that looks like. And, you know, she as being a black woman and me as being a white dude, like even though we're in the same place, we're both in our 30s, which is funny because I'm 39, she just turned 30. So we're both in our 30s, but like we get to share and talk about how different culturally our experiences. We both grew up in church, but they've looked very different and what that looks like and how God is shaping even in a microcosm of our community and the people around us in our country and here in Austin and the greater Austin area. And we get to see and have a shared heart for how we lead this church. And that's been beautiful. And, and I mean, it's just a selfish way of like, it's so much more than just planning a 35 minute message and you know, four songs. But it's about seeking who's God calling us to be in the context of our community around us and how she and I come from very different backgrounds and very different experiences. And we can talk about that and what that looks like and get new perspective. And so I just say that to, to like, help understand that, that culture is so much bigger and significant when we think about the nations. And for us, like even Western Christian culture, I, I, had, I, had, a, I had breakfast with a friend this week and we both kind of lamented as we are both raised and very similar, but coming out of this kind of evangelical Christian world that we are raised in and how we both struggled to identify with like what is like the Western Christian mold of what that looks like and how we've both struggled in our faith and our identity and what that looks like. And so I think even in the context of the life we live, there's so much going on. And, and if you want proof of this, it's right here, right? This, these are not the words that Jesus spoke. And literally, this is a translation. And the beauty of God's word and the power of God's word is that he speaks to us through it. But like, this isn't in the original language. If you ever watch The Chosen, anyone watch The Chosen? Yeah, they didn't speak English, right? So we think about scripture and time and how important all that is. And here's the truth, and this should be encouraging. The truth is that the gospel is nomadic and is passed through relationship. That throughout history of time and throughout life, the gospel is nomadic in nature and that it is passed through relationship. So when we talk about the gospel, again, it's not just having the pamphlet that accurately explains Jesus so that anyone can intellectually understand. If it was that simple, then we should just stop doing this, print it up and pass it and translate it and get it to everyone. And while that's certainly a function, and man, we're blessed because someone took God's word and translated it into English so that we can have access to that today in our lives, 
Man, it's so much bigger than that. And so a few things we see here from the scripture and this call of Abraham's life. And when we consider this idea of the gospel being nomadic and the gospel being relational and passed through relationship is a few things. So I want you to understand first is that, that God will call you out of what is comfortable. God will call you out of what is comfortable. Look right here. He says to, he says to Abraham, this is the first thing he says. He says, look up at the scars. I'm gonna, I'm gonna birth a nation as numerous as the stars in the sky. And the first thing he tells them to do is go. Go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household. Go out of your comfort zone of what you know, the land you've lived in, the, the culture that you know, the language you spoke, and to be called out of that. Is that if we're to have a view of the nations, we've got to understand if we're really willing to consider that God's heart and the gospels for the, these, these people groups, is that God is going to call you outside of what is comfortable. I'm not saying that God is going to call you to birth. He's not calling you to birth a nation. Don't worry. But I'm not saying that God is calling all of us to go overseas or to, to move to a different country. But he might. Right? I'm not saying that he's not calling you to that. Right? But we, I can promise you this. He is going to call you outside of your comfort zone. If you look around at your life as a Christ follower and everything is comfortable, everything fits, everything is, is, is correct, that should be a warning to you. That should be like, hey, this is, there's some, something's wrong here. And only that is that God is going to call you not only out of what is comfortable, but God is going to call you to walk that path faithfully faithfully. He's not going to give you this 10-year, 5-year, 15-year plan of what it's going to look like. He's not asking you to come up with a plan and then say, God, bless this plan for me to go and faithfully walk after you. Look what he does to Abraham here. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household out of what is comfortable to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. Is that God calls him to walk this out faithfully. He doesn't tell him a, B, and C, then X, Y, and Z, this is how it's gonna look. He tells them to walk that out faithfully. And I wanna acknowledge that that might be you right here, right now. That, that the faithful step and stepping out of your comfort zone might be walking into this gymnasium today. Might be saying yes to being in a small group or engaging with other Christ followers. It might be yes to beginning a relationship with someone who's not a Christian. And so those things are happening now to walk those things out faithfully. And then finally, I want you to know that out of that, this idea of it being nomadic and passive relationship, being called out of your comfort zone, being able to walk that faithfully is that blessing will come through your faithfulness. It says right here, God says, I will bless you, period. It's a promise. It's a covenant from God. He says, you're gonna go out from your country, away from what is comfortable. You're gonna go out and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And you might think, man, this is, this is Abraham, not me, right? This doesn't say, Martha Robinson, I'm gonna bless you if you could go out, right? But that's not true is that God is doing that through his local church. That Jesus came to fulfill these things of the Old Testament and the new covenant is here and God is using his local church to walk faithfully out of our comfort zone to bless the world around us, to be a blessing to those 
we, who we're going to interact with, we're going to know. And I think that we've got to really, and, and no offense, and you know you're about to be offended when someone says no offense. So here it comes. No offense, but like we have a really elementary and cheap view of blessing, right? If you can, if you can hashtag your picture blessed, that's not blessed, right? And we call these things blessed or we can get a shirt as like, yeah, blessed, you know, whatever it is, not to knock on Christian culture, right? But we call that blessing the thing. No, it's more than that. Like what God means through blessing is to change lives, to, to share a gospel that is gonna bless people and to change their life. And so we see this, like this promise of the gospel being for the nations and the intention of God from the beginning to reach these nations. And so as we, as we look forward into the New Testament and we look at this, the, the Great Commission, which is something most of us know, is, is, and here's the truth, is the call of the gospel is for the nations. The call of the gospel on your life is for the nations. So in Matthew chapter eight, the Great Commission says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out of your comfort zone, what you know, what you want to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. When I first got to Austin, I, I grew up in a, a wonderful, very traditional Methodist church. I, I was an acolyte. I was sprinkled as a baby. I did um, confirmation, all the stuff. And so I, when I got to Austin, I, I wasn't following Christ. I mean, I knew Jesus. I, I believed I had authentic salvation. And so I thought, man, I should go to church. I'm in college. I should go to church. So you ask your friends where they go to church. So I started going to this church called uh, First EV Free. Does anybody know EV Free? Yeah, Lindsay knows. They've changed their name since then. Anyway, so I went to this, this church, First EV Free, and, and it was great, and, and, and it was a good church. And so they had a college, like they had a college service that they had a pastor that were specifically for college students and a college service. And I went to that service, and I got really bitter and frustrated because they got on this, this thing one year about going to Africa. They're like, you're gonna go to Africa. We want you to go to Africa. You guys should go to Africa. And every week I'd be like, I'm not going to Africa. Stop asking me. I don't wanna go to Africa. I'm not going to Africa. No, that's my answer. And every week I come back and be like, you should go to Africa. We're gonna go to Africa. Let's get people to go to Africa, right? And I was like, I got so bitter and angry and I'm not going to Africa. Well, P.S., I've been to Africa and it was wonderful. But, you know, <laughs> When I was an arrogant 19-year-old punk, that was my attitude. And we think about this. We hear this call of the gospel to go and make disciples of all nations. And we think, yeah, that's for missionaries, right? Like not a regular Joe, regular Christian like me. You know, maybe your attitude of not going to Africa is a little gentler. But we feel that, right? You feel that of like this call of like, hey, you need to go and there's conflict in us, but I, I don't know what to like. I don't know what to say, but it says to go. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. If we call this the Great Commission and we call ourselves Christ followers, how do you reconcile that? Because it says so. It says to do it. This is what the Lord is telling us to do and commissioning us to do. 
And this is, as Christians, what we do. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, the last thing Jesus says to his disciples before he sends into heaven, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so at some level, we've got to ask ourselves that question. How do you go? If that's the great commission is to go and make disciples of all nations, like honestly, really legit, like how do you do that? And my answer is, is I don't know. Like, I hope I can say that. Like, I hope I can be authentic enough to say, I don't know what that looks like for every one of us, for our church, how we reconcile this commission. But I think the first step is to consider and to, to be honest about that. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. I get it. Like we all have logistics in our life. We've commitments and things we've promised and we've got mortgages and jobs and families and kids and schools. And you're going to serve on Lilo next week here at the church. And we need more help with guessing, right? Like we've got all these commitments, but I do have good news for you is that the scripture says, you'll see power and the Holy Spirit comes in you, be my witnesses, Samaria to Judea and to the ends of the earth, is that you are at the end of the earth. And that should be encouraging to you. I can tell you that, is that you are at the end of the earth. America is not the center of Christianity. I mean, literally, like scripture says it's not. Like literally, it's not. That is Jerusalem. This is not Jerusalem. I know we feel that we are America and we're at the center of everything, but we're not. I mean, literally, Scripture says that it is Jerusalem. In Ezekiel chapter five, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord said. This is Jerusalem, which I've set in the center of the nations with countries all around her. This is where Jesus was presented in the temple. In two weeks, we're gonna celebrate Palm Sunday. And as Jesus triumphantly comes on in this donkey and he comes over and says, if you stop them, the stones will cry out and they wave palms. And he comes over into Jerusalem. It's where he's crucified. It's where he's buried. It's where he's resurrected. It's where he ascends. And it's where scripture says he'll return. Is that we are not the center of the Christian world. And in fact, we are the opposite side of the world. We are at the ends of the earth. And so I, I do hope that gives you peace and confidence in where we are and what we do. And I know, man, God bless America, right? But the Christian world does not revolve around our country. And it certainly doesn't revolve around how we do church in the Western Christian world. And, and how we do this is not right. Like this, I'm, we're doing the best we can and trying to faithfully gather and look at scripture. But this isn't how it's done all over the world. It's not how it's done throughout the history of time. Have you ever gone and done church in another country? Yes. Okay. Right. Does it look like this? Probably not. We would, we would, my wife and I, we led a mission trip to Nicaragua each spring break, which was great. And uh, we would, we did it for probably six or seven years in a row. And we would go to this little church, uh, the church of Bethesda there in uh, Managua, Nicaragua. And we go to their church service. And before we get off the bus, we'd say, Hey, this is gonna look different than anything you've ever experienced. Like, just go with it, right? This is gonna be a different language. It's not gonna look. And man, we would go in there and we'd have these super rowdy services that 
pushed on all people's comfort zones. And so one time we were up there in Shanna where we, the pastor called us up and we were like, okay. And it's on Spanish and they're trying to translate for us. And so they said, hey, we're gonna pray for healing and we're gonna, we're, you're gonna use anointing oil. And so they get, and I'm not talking there like a dab, a, a dab will do ya. He gets the anointing oil out and wipes our hands so they're dripping in oil. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, now you go pray for healing over people. And Shay and I both look at each other like, all right, let's go. And it was a sweet, wonderful time of asking, Lord, Lord, I, this person, I don't know what's going on. I can't ask them. How do I pray for them? And it was powerful. And I've done church in a hut in the middle of Uganda. And we, during worship, I think I've told you the story, this guy picks up the chair and starts waving his chair in the air. So I'm like, all right, we're doing this. Okay, we're, we're waving a chair in the air. It was awesome, right? If you've done anything outside of what this is, this isn't it. I'm not saying that it's wrong either. Like we're trying to be faithful to where God has called us and what we're called to do. But we are not the center of the earth. And here's the truth, is that location matters to God. Location and place matters to God. If you read through scripture, you get a sense and a feel of this, how place and time and creation and nature matters. And, and Ezekiel chapter 47 is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. It paints this beautiful picture of this, this river that comes out from under the throne of God and goes into the Dead Sea. And it says this, it says, he said to me, the water flows towards the Eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, the Jordan Valley, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because if the water flows there, it makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along her shore from the Engedi to the Ineglam, and there will be places for spreading nets. Fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Now, I've never been to the Dead Sea. I've never been to the Mediterranean Sea. But man, like you see this picture in scripture, how location matters. Like this is real place. Isaiah says this, it says, I will be like a dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in its shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Have you been to Lebanon? Have you stood beneath the shade of a cedar tree? Have you smelled its fragrance? Have you drank of the wine? But we see that and we can see, man, like that's a place. Like that matters. And I want you to know that it matters for us too. You think about your life and you think about where you've been born, where you've grown, how you've been marked and changed, where God's met you and place and location matter. So I wanna just take a moment to consider your own life and to consider first the place you came from, where you were born, your street, your family, the time, the year you were born. I, was, I grew up in Orange, Texas in the 80s and 90s, right? Shay can say that. My dad can say that. Patty can say that, right? I know that place. And Orange is one of those places that I think, man, I do not want to go back to Orange. I don't want to raise my family in Southeast Texas. I don't want that. But thank God that's where I'm from, literally. 
Man, because it marked me and changed me and shaped me. I grew up in a place that knows me. That's why when Shay and I got married, Shay said, I knew, always knew I'd marry someone from Orange, right? That's why Corey and Jenna Craig and I, we can laugh about Southeast Texas. They're from the same place. You know that. You know what that's like. Think about the places in your life and locations that have been significant for you. For Shay and I, Nicaragua mattered because we served there and grew there in our faith and got to involve ourselves with incredible ministry that's going on in this third world country. And the, the Frio River for me, right? Like, man, it's where I put my faith in Jesus Christ. It's, we go every summer. And man, I'm telling you, I get in that river and there's something spiritual in it. Man, the water's different. You may go and you may think, not so Frio, there's not much water. But man, like for me, it means something. Like where, where have been, there have been places in your life that have marked you and changed you and that might be painful or hard. And in the place that you are now, the place we sit right here today, our community, the church we're a part of, the street you live on, the coworkers that are around you, it matters. And God is not an accident at any of it. It doesn't mean you like your place. It doesn't mean the circumstances of your life are always fun and easy, but I promise you it's significant. So when we think about the nations, like where we are matters. And then God gives us this picture and revelation of what it looks like when this heart for the nations is fulfilled. And, and it says this in Revelation chapter seven. This is God is giving John this, this view into the kingdom, into eternity, into the throne room. It says this, after I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders asked me, these in the white robe, who are they and where do they come from? He said, the promise of the gospel is fulfilled for the nations. This is a beautiful image of these things, of what it looks like in eternity in heaven when the gospel reaching the nations is fulfilled. And I want you to know that you are, you are unique. The way you're created, who you are, your being, your heart. And man, scripture says that you're gonna keep that we think about, man, that we're all gonna, what's it, what we're gonna look like in heaven? What's it gonna happen in the afterlife? I'm, I hope, I'm praying I'm 6'4", right? Because that shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? I don't know. But you are beautifully and wonderfully made and you will have all the things that make you. It says every nation, every tribe, people and language, the language you speak matters. It's a language of your heart, Right? And we, you know, people say, oh, well, I'm, I don't see race. I'm colorblind. Well, God's not, right? God's not colorblind. Like 
John can see that these are different people. It's how we're created. And here's the problem when we think about, like when we think about revelation, we think about end times, which is really important for people right now. And here's the problem is that for generations, Christians have tried to predict when the end would be. I'm gonna predict this and scripture says this, and we're trying to figure out what the end would be. And, and not only is it problematic, it goes against what Jesus said. Jesus said, it will come like a thief in the night and that is not for you to know or worry about or concern you with concern yourself with. And we focus, that's part of the problem we do this and we get so wrapped up, when is the end and when is it coming and what does it look like is we focus on content without intent, if that makes sense. So we focus on the content of scripture without the intent of why it's written. A really silly example is you take a parable, a parable of the soils, right? And you think, I read about the parable of soils and skeets that are on the seeds scattered along the path and the rocky soil among the weeds and good soil. Like scripture's not telling you how to be a farmer, right? The intent of Jesus sharing that is to give you a picture of the heart of man. But sometimes we miss that. And, and it happens in more subtle ways through scripture than that. And we can get lost in that sometimes. I don't mean to chase this rabbit too far down this trail, but I do want you to know that like the intent of why it's written and why do we get this image of this throne room and, and eternity with every tribe, every tongue, every nation is to give us a heart and give us a picture of seeing, man, like we think, we, one of our core values is unity. Unity is not uniformity. Does that make sense? We're not saying we want unity where everyone thinks alike, everyone speaks alike, everyone is exactly the same, they like the same things, and we're gonna unify ourselves so we all look the same. No, unity, like diversity in the kingdom of heaven, is a sign of wonderful unity, not uniformity. And here's the truth. Is the truth is that God gives, a, gives us a picture of the end so that we can follow him more radically and carry out the mission of the gospel more faithfully. God gives us a picture of the end so we can follow him more radically with our lives and carry out the mission of the gospel more faithfully. It's literally, we see this to strengthen our faith, not so that we have some insider information about when the end of the earth is gonna come and since we're in the club and we're a Christian, now we know, it's not that. And so to follow him more radically means that we know how the story's gonna end. We know that Jesus is victor at the end of life. And it changes our level of risk management. We're willing to take a greater risk for the gospel because we know how the end is and we can follow him more radically. To carry out the mission of the gospel more faithfully means we set our sights and focus on that which is important, the mission that's in hand. It lets us see distractions for what they are as distractions. The world says money and power and reputation. And the gospel says generosity, humility, servitude, those are opposite. And so we don't get distracted by the temptations of this world. And so we get this image. So I wanna, I wanna I close with some tactical things and we're gonna have some time of prayer. I don't know what it looks like for you to consider that calling and a heart for the nations. I wanna tell you this, God might be calling you to go. God might be calling you. We've got two different, we've got a family that's gonna come and one of our missionaries that I can't say online, she was serving in a dangerous place. She finished her serving there and she's come back and she's got married a week ago and her and her husband are gonna go out and be missionaries in a very dangerous place. And so we're gonna talk about her in the next few weeks. And man, the God's called her and her husband 
to go and do that. And we've got missionaries that are in Nepal that we serve there and God's called them to do that. We've got people in this room that have served as missionaries in different parts of the world and maybe that's what God is calling you to do. But I want you to know that as we stand at the ends of the earth and we consider ourselves and the lives that we have and why we're here to how we can have a heart for the nations, I'll tell you from me and I'll tell you this, not as that I'm doing it perfect, but I just wanna give you perspective on the opportunities that you have around you. So I've got a friend across the street that out of, our, out of all of our neighbors, he's one of my closest friends and he is Turkish and he is Muslim and his family is Muslim and we've began this great relationship. And so, man, he's a wonderful guy and, and I've gotten to begin this relationship with him. And so he, Ramadan starts, uh, I think Thursday, April 2nd. Is that Thursday. Saturday. So Ramadan starts on Saturday. So I, I ordered these online. These are, these are Muslim world prayer guys. So 30 days for Ramadan. You can pick them up here. And man, if you want to pray for the Muslim people in your life, is it this little prayer guide for 30 days will show you how to pray for them. And so it's, uh, we didn't make this and this kind of something, it's got some advertisements and stuff in it, but it's basically a little magazine that gives you every day how you can pray for people, how you can pray for the Muslim world. And so my wife and I, I was texting with Mustafa last night. And so I said, hey, because he, he wants me to come play basketball with he and his friends. And I couldn't go this Saturday. I said, hey, do y'all play next Saturday? I know that Ramadan starts. He goes, no, we don't play during Ramadan. He says, but we do. We would love to have your family over for iftar. Does anybody know what iftar is? No, it's so I didn't know either. So I said, what's iftar? And I started Googling. And it is when people that are exercising Ramadan and fasting during Ramadan, it's the meal that they have when they break their fast. And so it's at eight o'clock and they have the one meal. If he said, he said, would you and your family like to come over and celebrate iftar with us uh, during Ramadan? So I was like, I'm Christian. Of course not. No, we're like, man, I would love to. And that would be an honor. But to think like, like we talk about the nations and here is Mustafa and he's Muslim and I have an opportunity for relationship with him. He's opening us, his home to us and inviting us in. My other neighbor is also Turkish and also Muslim. And there's this strange thing between them. They're, they're not friends. These families don't interact. I'm like, wait, you're Muslim. You're Muslim. You're from Turkey. You're from Turkey. But there's religious divide. And wow, America, we're not the only ones that struggle with division. But I've got another neighbor that I can love. I've got a, my daughter has a friend that I've met her family through uh, my daughter's relationship with her. And they're, they're from India. And, and I've gotten to know him and he and I text and there's a great relationship here. Yesterday, my neighbor, my other neighbor who's from Brazil, who I've shared the gospel with him. I shared the gospel with him. I laid out just like a good Christian would. And I shared the gospel with him. And he said, well, when is reincarnation? What, what part do I figure out what I become next? I'm like, oh man, no, that's different. That's not, like we believe you're made and created. If like, we wanna talk about the nations and I have people in my life that I can do that with. I say that not to say that, man, I'm doing it great and you're, eh, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm saying that to say, open your eyes and ask the Lord, who is it in your life that is different than you? Man, our 
You were not supposed to bubble up with a bunch of Christians and just buckle down till you get to eternity. No, abundant eternal life is now. It's now. You don't have to wait for your physical death so you can live eternally. It's, a, it's a, the blood of Christ. And so I close with this question. I love this verse 13. He shows him this picture. He sees every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language, white robe, palm branches, which celebrates victory. We'll talk about that then two weeks on Palm Sunday. Worshiping the lamb. And in verse 13, when the elders turn to him, it gives me goosebumps. And he asked him, he said, these in the white robes, who are they and where did they come from? They're different people. They speak different languages. They come from different places and different times, from different periods in history, different classes, different socioeconomic classes. Who are they? They are people that have found salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Your heart and your life should burn for people that don't know the Lord. They are people that are different than us, but we are we're in white robe because we're made clean and we're made whole and we're given new life. Because the gospel says that we are sinners. Every one of us, we have all fallen short We've all broken relationship with God and no matter what we do, no matter how hard we life, how hard we try, no matter how kind we are to the people around us, no matter how charitable we are with our lives, we can't get there. So God sent his son that knew no sin, didn't mean he wasn't tempted, didn't mean it wasn't hard, but Jesus lived a perfect life and went to the cross to die for your sins. And for the sins of the world, the nations, for Mustafa and Hamdi and these people that I know in my life, for Jay. And Jesus loves them so much that he would give his life on the cross for them so that through his blood they can have life and they're being invited into life. God is not damning them to hell. God is saving them from it. And giving them an opportunity to have life to receive the Lord, to, to live abundantly and eternally. That's who those people are. So I'm gonna invite our worship team back up here and we're gonna take just a few minutes to pray. And they're, just, they're, they're gonna play a bit and I want you to consider these questions and ask yourself, Lord, what is it that you're asking of me? Who is it in my life? What should my heart for the nations look like? You may be here and you may not know Jesus and God may be stirring in your heart and calling you by name and that's where you're supposed to be. Maybe it's you've hardened yourself in your heart towards people who are different than you or against a people group or someone of another religion or someone of another political party, whatever it may be that you've hardened your heart from and man, the Lord is asking you to soften, to allow him to use you through relationship to love them with the gospel. And I want you to ask that question of yourself. And one of the elders looked at me, these in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I'm gonna pray and I wanna give you a few minutes. There's a few things you can do. We have these guides over here on the table and I'm gonna send out an email this week 
that says, hey, if you wanna pray for 30 days for, for Muslims during Ramadan, I will add you to an email list and I'll email you every day reminding you to pray for them and just a little excerpt out of this. And so I'll send that out this week. I mean, but whatever it is in your heart, if you would, let's pray. And I just wanna give you like six minutes to just sit in it, to ask the Lord that. I'm gonna be in the back. So if you wanna pray and I can ask, you know, one or two of our elders, maybe Amber can pray, if, if, if maybe Martha, and we can pray with you, Ginger and Gary, if you need someone to pray with you about something. So let's, let's just ask the Lord. God, I thank you for your heart for the nations. I thank you that it didn't start with us, it didn't revolve around us, and it certainly doesn't end with us, God. But that we play a part and we play a role, God. And would you set our hearts towards those. God, as we picture this image in Revelation, how we find confidence and peace that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. And as we, as we picture these people, God, would you put faces with every person, with these people in these white robes, people that we know, people that we've lost, people that we don't know yet. God, we just ask as we Ask ourselves that question. What does it mean for me to go? How can I carry this out? Where are the nations around me? God, would you show us who that is and what that looks like? So God, we just invite you into this time to speak to every one of us. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.